0: Well, as I mentioned, we've been on Sunday evenings doing what I call a Bible survey. Every day or every Sunday night, we take a a Bible book and we go through that. We started in Genesis. We're almost now through the Old Testament. And so for the last 14, 15, 16 weeks, we've been looking at uh, the Old Testament prophets. And so as I was going through there, I keep seeing something that uh, was a common thread and that is that a lot of those prophets are talking about the church, uh, way, way ahead of when the church actually came into existence. Excuse me. And so I thought we would take some time today to go back and look at some of these prophets and look at the prophecies that they made concerning the church and just see how it applies to the church today. In Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4, I would like to start here uh, this morning. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4, Paul says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And so we oftentimes discard the Old Testament because we're no longer under that system And so we oftentimes don't look at the Old Testament, but as I may mention before, we need to be able to see Jesus in every page of Scripture because the Bible is basically a love letter to us from God that either says that Jesus is coming, Jesus is here, or that Jesus is coming back. That's really the the short thesis of what the Bible is. The Old Testament is, is telling us that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John says that Matthew is here. And then from Romans to Revelation, basically is encouraging us to be faithful because Jesus is going to return. And so it's important that we read all of Scripture, that we study all of Scripture. And so it's important for us to look at the Old Testament as well. Out of the 14 or 15 prophets, Eight of those wrote about the church. And so the church has always been on the mind of God. And I'm convinced that Jesus, or that God is showing us his love by by bringing the church to us and allowing us to be a part of that, as uh, Brother Scott uh, said this morning, is that we are the only thing that's leaving this world, and that's the church. And so God made a way for us to get right with him, to get back to him, and that ultimately is through Jesus Christ and through the body of Jesus, the church. And so out of those 13 or 14 or 15 prophets, eight of those wrote about the church. And I would like to look at some of those this morning. Joel, for example, in Joel chapter 2, let's go back there, We're going to be testing your knowledge of the minor prophets this morning because a lot of these books are really small. And so Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Joel, his name means Jehovah is God. And so Joel, in Joel chapter 2, he writes uh, something that's going to happen. Joel wrote around 830 B.C. So we're talking almost 900 years Before the church actually came into existence, Joel was talking about it. And so in Joel chapter 2, and in verse number 28, it says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So, this is a prophecy about the church. God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so, Jesus, one of the prayers that he uttered before uh, he left is that God, I don't want you to leave my people as orphans. I want you to send another Helper. And that Helper is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives and it dwells within us as Christians. Do you know where this is quoted at in the New Testament? Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. It's quoted in Acts chapter 2. What happened in Acts chapter 2? That's when the church got its beginning, didn't it? That's when Peter stood up with the other apostles and they preached the very first gospel sermon and Peter is just really cutting loose here and starting there in verse 17 of Acts chapter 2 and going through verse 21, he quotes the prophet Joel almost word for word of what was said almost 900 years prior to that. And Peter was basically saying today is the day. Today is the day that this is going to happen. And again, as uh, Scott said this morning, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have as Christians today. That is the guarantee of, of what God did for us. We stand apart from the rest of the world because we have God's Spirit living and dwelling within us. But Joel said that 900 years prior to the church beginning. Joel saw the beginning of the church, as we read here in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit was to be poured out upon all people. It doesn't really matter if you're Jew or Gentile or Samaritan. It doesn't really matter if you're black or white or red or yellow. It doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is if you are obedient to the Word of God. And so Joel was given that message many, many, many years ago before it actually happened. Amos is another person back in the Old Testament. If you've seen Joel, Amos is just the next book past Joel. Amos talks about the church. Amos, his name means burden bearer. And again, if there's a certain theme that goes through the prophets, the major and the minor prophets, is the idea that they were trying to get God's people to turn around from their wicked ways And repent and turn back to God. That's why all of these prophets came to the Jews to warn them of the pending doom if they did not repent. And Amos was another one of those people. He was a shepherd, and but yet God uh, picked him uh, to to tell this message to his people. Amos chapter nine, verse number eleven. Amos chapter 9 and verse number 11 it says on that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as uh, in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does this thing what is Amos talking about He is going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. It's in ruins. He's going to repair it. What exactly is he talking about? Well, let's go back to the book of Acts again. Because in Acts chapter 15, this is where Amos was quoted here. Acts chapter 15, and we can tell uh, exactly what God was wanting us to know here. Acts chapter 15 Just to give you a little bit of a background, this is probably one of the first times in Acts chapter 15 that there was a problem in the church. It was a few years, 10, 12, 15 years after the church began, that there were Jews trying to impress upon the Gentiles that if you really want to become a Christian, you first have to get circumcised and become like us, then you can become a Christian. And there was a big dispute there, there was a conflict And it was so much so that they came together uh, to talk this over. And so Peter, he rose up and kind of addressed the crowd and said, Listen, folks, there was something that happened uh, just recently to me. There was a man by the name of Cornelius uh, that uh, God uh, gave me a vision. You know how all that went. There was a vision given to me, and God was basically telling me that I need to start going and preaching to the Gentiles. They now are allowed to have the gospel. And so as Peter was talking about this, in verse number 15 of Acts chapter 15, Peter says this, And with this the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written, After this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which had fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it back up, so the rest of mankind may seek the Lord Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all of his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles who are turning to God. And so Amos, almost 800 years before the church even started, said, listen, there's going to be a time in which even the Gentiles will be allowed to be ushered into the church. The Jews are not going to be God's chosen people any longer. The church is God's chosen people. And it doesn't matter again if you are a Jew or a Gentile or a Samaritan. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. If you're a Christian, you are God's chosen people. And so Amos was quoted here when Peter was talking about that conversion of the Gentiles now being allowed to be a part of the body of Christ. Another one. Well, another two. Isaiah and Micah. They were both... I put them together because they both were uh, contemporaneous of one another. They were both here at the same time. Uh, 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 Isaiah... His name means Jehovah has saved. And his book was written around 750 B.C. We refer to him as a messianic prophet because he has more prophecies about Jesus than any other uh, prophet in the Old Testament. Over 100 prophecies about Jesus in the book of Isaiah alone. Micah prophesied about the same time. And these two men... Uh, let's go back and look at this because this is interesting. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. <clears throat> Isaiah 2 2. Now it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations will flow to it now let's go back to Micah chapter 4 and verse 1 if you can find Jonah the next one is Micah Micah 4 1 and listen to what Micah says it is basically word for word of what Isaiah says here in chapter 2 Micah chapter 4 and verse number 1. Now it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. So this is talking about the church. The church is like a city that's up on a hill that it cannot be hid. The church is the, 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 the organization that people can go to it. They can flow to it. Again, it doesn't matter what nation you are from. He says in verse 2, many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. That's what we need to be doing as Christians is inviting people to come with us. Wouldn't it be terrible if you are the only one um, that's at the, the pearly gates, if you will. I know that's not a real thing. But wouldn't it be sad if you are the only one that is there and you brought nobody with you? You didn't bring your family with you. You didn't bring your co-workers with you. You didn't bring your extended family with you. You're only there by yourself. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Our duty, our obligation, as we talked about before, is to reconcile other people to God. That's what we're supposed to do. And so, this prophecy talks about how people are going to invite others to come with them. Come, let us go up. That's our duty. That's an obligation that we have as Christians: is to invite other people to come with us, to be a part of the body of Christ to have what we have, to enjoy what we enjoy as Christians. And it was talked about many, many years before it actually happened. The last one this morning is Jeremiah. He's considered to be one of the major prophets. Again, major and minor only because they're books. The major prophets, they have larger books, and the minor prophets only have smaller books. And so Isaiah and then Jeremiah... he prophesied around 620 to 580 B.C., so several years uh, later than the others. And so Jeremiah chapter 31, and in verse number 31, I love this one. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, And with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make after the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law into their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There is a new covenant. Why is there a new covenant? Was it because God didn't give us a good one the first time? No, it was basically because God's people broke that first covenant. Uh, It's in Jeremiah. I won't read it to you this morning, but I didn't even... Yeah, Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 8 Jeremiah says God's people committed adultery on God. Adultery means that you have broken the covenant. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 8, God says to his people, I am going to divorce you because you have committed adultery against me. You have broken the covenant between you and I. And so that's why there's a second covenant, and you and I are under that second covenant. Uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 6 with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 6, the writer of Hebrews talks about this new covenant that you and I are a part of today. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. That's the covenant that you and I are under today. We are under that second covenant. Jesus is a mediator of that covenant, and we have that covenant because it is built on better promises. I said this before but as Christians we are the only ones that have the promise of living with God for eternity. We are the only ones that have that hope. The world has no hope in their future because they don't have any future. We as Christians have hope because we know that even if we leave this world physically that we still continue to live spiritually in the hereafter. That's the better hope, and it was built on better promises. Oh, there are several others today. We just don't have time to go through them. Daniel was an excellent uh, example of a a person, a prophet, that foretold about the kingdom of God. Remember that in Daniel chapter 2? There was going to be a kingdom that would never be destroyed. Woo, and I'm a part of it, and you are too. Because this church is going to be here forever. When I say church, I don't mean this building. It may blow up tomorrow. But the Lord's church is going to be forever. The only thing leaving this world is a church. And Daniel prophesied about that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it actually happened. Ezekiel talks about us being sheep and that we have a shepherd that is over us, Jesus. And the church was what he was foretelling us. And so I bring all this to say why. Why do we look at these examples today, even though they're in the Old Testament? What, are they, what is God really trying to tell us this morning? Well, there's four or five things that I thought about as I was writing this sermon. Number one, to me it was pretty obvious that God always had a plan. A lot of people believe, I would say a lot, there's there's a teaching that says God created the world and then walked away from it. I don't believe that. I believe that God created the world and that He made a plan for you and I. (coughs) Yes, I believe God knew that we would sin, and that we would fall short of Him, that's why He gave us His Son. That's why He gave us the church, to be able to get right with Him. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4 says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Even before God created the world, God made a plan for you and me. And so I think that shows to me, and the third thing is, is that it shows to me God's love. Yeah, there are times in which I really messed things up. Yeah, there were times in which you really messed things up. But God still loves us, doesn't he? Every time I think about that, I think about the the prodigal son. And the father was just sitting there waiting for that prodigal son to come back. And when the father saw his prodigal son returning the father hitched up his robe and he ran towards that prodigal sinner of the son and i just picture god doing that from time to time when we goof up it so bad and we finally come to our senses as the bible says about the prodigal son and we repent and we turn back to god god is there to accept us with open arms god doesn't do like what we do i told you so Aren't you glad doesn't, that God doesn't do that? I told you you would do that. I knew you would do that. I'm glad, I'm glad God doesn't do those types of things. God just opens up his arms and said, Welcome back. I missed you. Hope you don't do it again. And so God shows his love because before even the foundation of the world began, he thought about us. If you're here today and you're outside the body of Christ, it's not too late to accept Jesus. It may be one day, but right now the invitation is still open. And so I would encourage you to accept Jesus Christ this morning on His terms. May when you listen to the religious world, you will hear all kinds of things. But what does the Bible say? That's the important thing. And so the Bible tells us that we need to confess Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 16 and in verse number 18, Jesus asked Peter, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living.